So remember, we are on our last week of our Advent series, Making Room for Jesus, and we've been exploring the metaphor of how in the in, I-N-N, of ourselves, we too often are so busy with uh, keeping the in and tending to other patrons' needs that we don't have room for the baby Jesus and Mary and and Joseph when they show up on our doorstep, and so we turn them away. And so we've been looking at this whole Advent at this question of commitment and priorities. How do we figure out what really matters? Uh, how do we stay focused on that rather than, say, fretting about holiday get-togethers and plans or what Christmas gifts to buy? So in light of that... We have this morning our passage from this book of First Timothy, discussing money. Now in this passage, the author is talking to those in the community who have money. Uh, but notice we're not just talking about folks who live in mansions. We're not just talking about rich folks, if you will. The vast majority of these folks at this time, of the time of the New Testament, are either poor or dirt poor. And so that's like 90% of the population. So basically rich, as Timothy's talking about it, can cover the whole spectrum from the emperor who has everything he ever wanted to, you know, the artisan who's just comfortable. You know, but it doesn't matter in particular the level of riches that we're talking about because what our author is really talking about is common to all people with money with any money at all, he's saying we need not be sucked, or we need to not be sucked in to the temptation of focusing on riches, of focusing on materialism, this pursuit of wealth, this having nice stuff, any of all that stuff. It's not what you need to be focusing on. Rather, you need to be focusing on doing well, doing good, and loving others. Passage says, don't place your hope on your, in your finances, which are ultimately uncertain, don't let yourself be taken in. Instead, our author says, you need to hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Be rich instead in the good things you do. Be generous with others. Even if you do have money, you need to use it for others, not for yourself. Acquisition is not itself a good. It cannot be your focus. For our author here, money seems almost incidental. He almost doesn't care about money, whether or not you have it. I mean, if you do have it, it needs to be freely given to the other for flourishing. But it's by not focusing on stuff like money that you find yourself freed enough to, as the passage beautifully puts it, take hold of the life that is really life. It is by not letting money control your life that you are able to be freed to have the life God wants from you. However, in our world, this is precisely the opposite of what many forces want us to buy into. And literally, buy into. There are a whole lot of people who have a lot at stake in us keeping this narrative that money is the central thing, the most important thing, for whom if we gave up 
just gave up all caring about money, they would not do well. And so, uh, I mean, for example, with the way that we've structured our society and our particular form of capitalism, right? So manufacturers have a big stake in us, of us valuing money. We, as stockholders insist that companies must always be growing, right? And, and actually sometimes sue, uh, the stockholders sometimes sue companies when profit is not their first motive, though the Supreme Court did strike that down. But, a number of uh, construction companies, for example, would plummet if if we companies weren't placing profits and expansion as big as they were. We wouldn't have nearly the same demand for new buildings. You know, politicians know very well that economics is one and has been one of the most important issues that can get them reelected, and so talk about it ceaselessly and talk about in a feedback loop re- reinforce just how important money is to us and to having uh, as a society. And especially during this time of year, we hear all sorts of, we, we see all these interconnected ways that this value, that, that money is this thing that we need to focus on, that message gets reinforced over and over, and especially during this time of year as well. Because this narrative about the importance of money is incredibly useful for those who make money by selling us stuff. And so, I mean, at its core, advertising is fundamentally this alternative narrative. It's this narrative of, you are incomplete. And you know how you become complete? You buy this product. Right? And so, uh, the whole conceit, the whole setup doesn't work if you don't value money and stuff. Because if you're like, I'm perfectly fine how I am, I don't need an iPhone, and it's not going to make my life any better or anything like that, if you don't feel the need to buy that product, then the advertisers have failed at their job. Because the fundamental claim is that the way to achieve wholeness is through possessions, is through things, which of course all comes back to money and the power to purchase things. And so as an aside, notice as well that there is no really quote-unquote pure form of consumerism, which makes it different from other ideologies. So there's not really any ideologues out there who go around absolutely convinced that all of society's problems will be completely solved if everybody were just using Dell laptops. Or that your life really would be meaningful if you did switch to triple-ply Charmin toilet paper. Right? It, unlike, say, uh, Marxism or capitalism for that matter, whatever, there's, there's these people who insist that that's like the best ideology, that's the way that we should live and everything should happen and function. Right? Unlike those types of things, there's no pure disinterested form of consumerism. The people who believe in it are the people who are trying to get you to buy into it so that they benefit from it. They are the people who are trying to sell you stuff because they have a vested interest in you believing the narrative. And so if you are... So they fundamentally want you to get this narrative 
that your life would be incomplete if you did not give them money. They foster the sense of deficiency, of inadequacy. This, And the remedy, of course, is purchasing the product. But here's, here's the other uh, more insidious form that we see, especially around the holidays. We, some of us might be, okay, we've, we've done well with that. I'm okay not getting that new iPhone. I'm fine putting that off. We might believe that indeed my life will not be better if I do get crest whitening strips. But if I'm able to figure out the right present for my family member... Maybe, just maybe, that Xbox will make their life better. Right? Now it's not selfish. It's selfless. It's focusing on somebody else. But notice what's still going on. We're still repeating that narrative that you, or rather they, are incomplete. And your money is what can make you complete. Which is precisely what this passage is railing against, is it not? Because what does our author say? He's basically indifferent toward money. If you have money, that's great. You have an obligation to use it for others, freely giving basically as much as you can to others. If you don't, whatever. The money itself, it doesn't matter, he says, because, but it does matter that you don't let it creep into the place of God in your life. It does matter that you don't go around thinking that money will solve your problem and make you a better person. You have money? Fine. Go spend it on some... Go help people with it. Be merciful, he says. But unlike these messages that we get from consumerism of of lack and deficiency, the message of the gospel is one of completeness, of God being all-sufficient, of a good God creating a good humanity, of Jesus' faithfulness solving whatever lack we experience in the world. And so how does the author call us to live? In the mindset of robust care for the other, of interdependence, of communal living, and of mercy for all which is about relationship. The author summons us to a life in relationship with the other, not a life focused around valuing what you have or don't have. So this Christmas time, may you resist those voices all around us trying to make us see money as the solution to some sort of problem or as the goal to try and make it the central thing. May you resist those voices, but rather may you draw nearer to each other in relationship and in support and in love. May it be so.